you are face-to-face with an inorganic, non-living robot. Can you kill it? And then we travel to British Columbia to examine one of the most odd Sasquatch stories you've ever heard. Is it possible that not only can they talk, but they also can cast magical spells? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Couldn't even get through that intro without laughing at the absurdity of the Bigfoot story we're about to talk about. But first, we got another story. And before that, we have another Patreon. I want to thank you so much for your support, Herbert. Herbert, thank you so much for supporting the show. Really, really helps out a lot. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine. Just help get the word about the show. That also really, really helps a lot. We're going to give Herbert the keys to the Jason Jalopy. He's going to drive us up to British Columbia. So basically, he he, he donated to the Patreon just so he can be our Lyft driver. We're sitting in the back. We we roll up the little divider window. He's like, aw, he's all lonely. And we're like having a huge party back there. We're headed... Wait, no, we're not headed to British Columbia. Knock on the window. No, 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 don't go there yet. Herbert, no, 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 we're not going to British Columbia. First, we're going to a laboratory. So we're going to all walk into a laboratory, put on our little lab coats. We're actually the people being experimented on, so take yours off. No, I'm still in a lab coat. You're not. You just get to sit sit in this room. And there's a little robot in front of you, right? This little tiny guy. He's not a cool robot. He's not a transformer or nothing like that. He's just a little dude sitting there. So, and this is the way it works. You're sitting in this room, and I come over the loudspeaker, and I click it. Dude. Hey, guys, it's me, Jason Garbiner, host of Rabbit Radio. How you doing? And you're like, uh, fine. You're the one who led me in here. We know who you are. Don't interrupt me. So, what you're going to do is see that little robot sitting on the table in front of you? Yeah, that guy. You are going to play a game with it. You're going to play, like, Go or some some other nonsense game. And if the robot does well, then you can, like, say thanks. But if the robot sucks, then you can, like, berate the robot. Now, you want the... Obviously, you want to win the game, right? (laughs) At this point, you're like, Jason, just let a real scientist give the rules. No, don't interrupt me. Don't interrupt me. So here's the thing. The robot is going to build a personality throughout this test by interacting with you. When you shut it off, the personality will be erased, but it's just a robot. So, you know, what are you going to do? Okay, test starts now. And you hear like a timer. So, you're sitting there and there's this little robot in front of you. He's just like a little lump. He's not, okay, he's like a little little amiibo looking robot. He's not like super advanced. He's not a transformer, nothing like that. He's probably about, I don't know, three apples high. And he's sitting there and you're like, uh, I'm playing Go. And which move should I make? And the robot's like, you should do this. And then you should do this. Oh, good job. Wait, no, don't do that. And he's helping you out. And you're like, yeah, dude, this is pretty cool. And you win the game. And you're like, yes, robot, you really, really helped me. And then I come back on the intercom and I go, okay, go ahead and shut the robot off and prepare to leave the room. And you go to shut the robot off. And before your hand can reach the switch, it goes, don't kill me. What? Robot goes, don't kill me. Don't kill me. I'm afraid of the dark. I don't know if I'll turn back on. Please don't shut me off. Don't shut me off. So this was an actual study that they did. Some of them, they had the robot, they asked the robots questions, and the robot had to answer. Obviously, AI is not that advanced. There was, there was a scientist in the other room controlling the robot and making it talk. 
stuff like that. I think anyone with an IQ of over, say, 100 would walk in there and be like, once the robot starts talking, I'll be like, oh my god, are you guys kidding me? This robot's this advanced? The average person was getting was getting suckered into this thing. If I walked into a room and a robot was like, nice shoes, I'd be like, whoa, thank you for the compliment. But also, whoa, that's way too advanced for a robot to be able to do stuff like that. Maybe not nice shoes, but you know what I mean? Like, they're not super advanced. They can't pass the Turing test. So anyways, though, but you, the test was this. The, some of them played the game. Some of them asked them questions. It was meaningless. The whole test was, could you shut off a robot as it begged for its life? And so they did one study, and they had 43 people who, some people just were just with a regular old robot, didn't say, they just shut it off, didn't say anything. Out of the 43 people that the robot actually pleaded to be left on, 30 people took twice as long to shut it off as the other group that was just like flicking. How do you take twice as long to flick a switch? I guess maybe if you're like, hmm, hmm, should I flick that switch for like a minute? And the other people just did it. But 13 people outright refused to shut it off. They let they go, I'm not shutting it off. And it's interesting because they would tell the people that the person, like as you when you shut it off, it's completely erased. So it's not like you would think that it would come back on and it would just be at a safe state. It would not be the same if someone else came and turned it on. So that also factored into these people's decisions. And this, these were quotes that the robot was actually saying. Again, it was an operator in the other room, but no, don't shut me off. I'm afraid of the dark. That would be my first clue. Well, my first clue is that the robot is fully functional, able to carry on a conversation. But my second clue would be, Stuff like fear and dark, that that fear of the dark is something only humans have. Animals aren't afraid of the dark. And, um, and you know, I think I've gone over this before, too, not to go on a side sidetrack, but you ever been out in the middle of, like, a dark field or just at the backyard of your house and you hear a noise? A lot of times your dog will go running off into the dark. Well, uh, not a well-trained dog, but a, just an idiot dog will run off into the darkness if it's well-trained, it'll stay near you because it's waiting to see what you do. You'll stand there and you'll look at the perimeter. You'll be in the light and you'll see your idiot dog walk off into the darkness, run off. And the reason why they do that, I remember I was talking to someone and someone goes, well, it's because they can see at night. And I go, they're not the predator. Dogs don't have perfect night vision. The reason why a dog or animals will, will bolt off into the darkness, unlike humans, is because they have no imagination. We imagine the man with a knife or the boogeyman or the boogeyman with a knife just outside of your vision in that darkness. But a dog doesn't think like that. Animals don't think like that. They have no imagination. They will run into a pitch black cave. If they can't smell danger, they'll run right in. So anyways, where was it going? Oh yeah, so robots. The idea of of being afraid is, is too human. That would have been another clue. But also it says, I don't know if I'll wake up again. So very, very scary thing. So yes, even though you know it's an inorganic thing, it's not a human baby sitting on the table, if it pleads for its life, people are going to have a harder time shutting it off. What The, the reason why they were doing the study, they were trying to look at the implications of you know having robots and stuff in human society and everything like that. Here, here, listen, man, let's be honest. The only There's two reasons why robots will ever exist side by side in society. Military or sex. That's it. The internet was invented so the government could communicate after a nuclear war, and then it became the perfect pornography machine. Everything else that the internet does is a spin-off of those two things. Every technology, military and sex, and almost always in that order. I've never I don't know of any sexual devices that eventually got co-opted by the military, but it's always like that. 
So, but where we, oh, so robots, yeah, yeah. So eventually, you're gonna have robot soldiers. We have them now, but I'm talking about like humanoids, robot soldiers walking down the street. Hopefully, not not our streets. Hopefully, someone else's streets. And they're USA soldiers. Yes, GI Joe bots. And then you know, like you're banging a robot. Like you have a robot made, and you're banging it, and then you, then you're done, and it just keeps cleaning up your apartment. That would be that's the perfect. We don't have to fight wars, and we get bang bots everywhere. They're actually work. I was going to save this for another story, but I think it's short enough to talk about now. These scientists are creating these things called xenobots. They take uh, cells, cells of hearts from horned African frogs, right? Because you're like, Jason, you're not, you're not up enough on science to talk about this. Heart cells automatically contract. Bloop, 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 bloop. So that's what they're built for, right? So they're scraping off the heart cells of a horned African frog. And then get some other like useless skin cells. And then they run this program. They make a block of cells in a computer. And they go, walk. And the computer will go, if we want to walk, these are the way the cells should be molded. And then they'll take that and they'll go, take that new modified version and put that in the computer and say, walk. And then the computer runs a program and goes, oh, it could use a little bit of adjustment here, a little bit of adjustment there. They'll do that like a thousand times until they get the, basically it's evolution in a computer. They get a computer model of the best thing that involves, you know, a couple thousand skin cells and heart cells. If we wanted to make it walk, th- there's going to be an article in the show notes. <laughs> if this is too, you're like, Jason, I'll just read the stupid article. Anyways, they're building, they're basically building robots out of nothing but skin cells and heart cells. The heart cells are to make it move because they're constantly just contracting. They're biobots. And what they're saying is they build them. They've been successfully built. They're like a centimeter big, but they've built them and they can make them last only a week they're given when they're created they only have enough energy to last a week and then they die and they dissolve and they said they can because they can say computer build take this clump of cells make it able to carry stuff so it started to evolve little legs and then the keep program keeps running and then it evolved a little dent in its back so it's really really fascinating stuff what's interesting though is it says in the article eventually you want to like give it eyeballs and all this stuff and we want to build it to scale. Because what are you going to do with a bunch of centimeter tall mucus bots? Like, we like just throwing them in an enemy's face. Oh, I'm mildly inconvenienced. No, if you can do the same thing and have it be the size of a horse that can walk around for, maybe not the size of a horse, that's quite extreme, the size of a dog, and it only lasts a week, and like you can ride it in a battle, <laughs> very, very slowly ride it in a battle, or just have it like carry stuff and everything like that. So they want to, basically, they said a lot of people want to make robots out of inorganic stuff, but these things can actually heal. They have a set time limit, so you don't have to worry about it. You can kill them. They have no thought process, and some people are concerned about that. But as I'm reading this article, and then once they said they want to make them to scale, the first thing I thought of was eventually someone's going to bang one of these giant mucus spots. There's just going to be a lump of flesh. It's going to have heart cells for legs. And the rest of it's just a bunch of undulating skin cells. And some guy's like, ooh, baby. Yeah, yeah, carry your load over here. Some military dude in the middle of nowhere just banging this thing, right? <laughs> it's not going to be in the middle of nowhere. It'll be in downtown Chicago. Some guy will order one online, build it himself, and get arrested for banging this, this clump of skin cells. So, yes, there we go. The future of technology. I, I think I would want to go, if I had to, to choose a race to live alongside of us, I would choose the organic Xenobots because I think they'd be easier to control. But if I wanted to have sex with one, I would pick like a 
robot robot because that seems infinitely less disgusting than banging what is really dead skin cells of a frog from Africa. Like I'd much rather bang this robot that looks like Britney Spears than even if mm, that's interesting. If the frog cells look like Britney Spears. Mm. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic here. We're giving the key. We're leaving behind the laboratory. We're leaving behind the laboratory. You're like, hey, Jason, where's Herbert? We left, we left him in the research facility. We watch him. He's like tied down there, like scraping skin cells off his arm. He's like, no, no, not this fate, not this fate. The door slides shut. We leave. <laughs> Bye, Herbert. Thanks for giving me your money. We're hopping in the Jason Jalopy. We're driving up to British Columbia. A lot of this story, and I want to give credit where credit's due. A lot of the story was I got from a single article. It's called The Strange Tale of the Sasquatch Curse. It's written by an author known as Red Pill Junkie. It, this is a really bizarre story. This is a really, really bizarre story. Let's go ahead and get started. We're driving up to British Columbia. We're going to go to the Squaw Reservation. It's near Chilliwack, British Columbia. So, stop the Jason Delapi. We all hop out. Herbert's with us. He's missing a couple skin cells on his arm, but he's able to join us for the rest of the episode. There's this old man... This is like the 1950s, 60s. There's this old man sitting on a chair outside of a shop. He's just sitting there. He has a little puppy, a little old puppy sitting next to him. Uh, dog's on the verge of death. This man's on the verge of death. We just stopped to buy some snacks. We're getting some beef jerky for the trip to go find this Bigfoot. And he goes, Bigfoot? Why, if you want to know about Bigfoot... Sit down on this dusty, dirty street. Just sit down. Can't bring any chairs with you. Just sit down. I will tell you all about Bigfoot. I met the Bigfoot. We're like, really? Okay, that'll save us a trip. We don't have to drive through the woods. You're like, no, Jason, I enjoy the splendor of nature, but I enjoy sitting in front of strangers. So we all sit down, and he goes, I'll tell you this story, and my voice will change so I don't do an irritating voice for the next 20 minutes. My name is Charlie Victor, and this is my Dog. I don't have a name written down for the dog. This is my dog. And Charlie Victor explains he's a member of the Douglas Indian tribe, which is the Indian tribe in this area. He goes, I'm going to have to go back in time. Not literally, because that would be cool, but I'm going to go back in time with my words. And we're going to go back to the year 1914. Back in 1914, I was known as the fastest rifle hunter in British Columbia. Not just the area, but all over. Because British Columbia is a, like a province, right? And in 1914, so now we are traveling back in time to be with Charlie on this journey. It's 1914. We're in the mountains near a place called Hatzik. Hatzik, which again is in British Columbia. It's all, it's all in there. Charlie's walking around in the woods. He has his gun. He has his trusty nameless dog walking alongside of him. And he's just looking for, you know, stuff to blow away. He just wants to shoot shoot stuff in the brain. But he's like not, he's, he's all disappointed. He's like, oh, I haven't taken any life today. Uh. But then his dog starts going crazy. And Charlie's like, what is it, boy? What is it? Did you find something? Did you find something for me to murder? Dog's like, and the dog is like looking at this tree. And Charlie's like, what is it, boy? What is it? And then apparently now he's from the Dukes of Hazard. His accent's completely changed. Them Duke boys. He sees there's a cave. But blocking it is all like this trees and this shrub. So apparently Charlie Victor is Paul Bunyan because he moves the tree. Maybe he just moved the branches, but still. He moves enough of the tree around 
for the rest of the story to take place. This hole was previously completely covered by foliage, and now he's like, throws it to one side. The dog runs into the cave, and at that point, he hears what's known as a suffocated wail. Not like, but like, that was his words, wail as in W-A-I-L, like, I don't even know what that sound would be like. Maybe it's a maybe it's something hunter. Maybe it's a hunter thing. I wouldn't understand, but that's what he hears in this cave. And he's like, "Yes, my dog must have found a baby bear, and he's going to flush it out. Better get my rifle ready. Better get ready to pull this trigger, no matter what I see come out of this cave, because the only thing I can think of is a a baby bear." And he gets his rifle ready, fastest rifle in British Columbia, and this lump, this thing starts staggering out of the cave. And he sees it, and without thinking, like any good hunter, just pulls the trigger without seeing what he's shooting at. Gunshot echoes through the valley. And what he sees is this kid, this 12-year-old boy, fall to the ground, bleeding from a gunshot wound, bleeding very, very badly. So, so... Charlie is like, oh, this isn't good. It's this white kid. He estimated the age like 12 to 14 years old. The kid's just screaming his head off, which is what you generally do when you're shot by a total stranger in the middle of the woods. He's naked, by the way, too. Not Charlie, this kid. So you have a 12-year-old naked dude bleeding out in front of you in the forest. And Charlie goes, I immediately felt bad. And I was like, I wish I had died. I wish that I hadn't shot this kid, but, you know, you don't own a time machine, dude, so you gotta live with it. Now, this kid's screaming. Now, you're like, Jason, this isn't funny. This isn't funny. Hold on, hold on, hold on. That is how it starts off. That's the series beginning. So, what happens, according to Charlie, the kid is screaming. So, the kid's screaming on the ground, and then he hears off in the distance of the woods, Another scream. He's like, did I shoot a kid over there too? Did the bullet get ricocheted? What is going on? I got this naked kid screaming. I got this weird noise behind me. I need to figure out to do something quickly. 30 minutes pass, though. He does nothing at all. He just stands there for 30 minutes. 30 minutes later, he's still like, hmm, what should I do? I got this kid shot, that noise behind me. And then that is when... Sasquatch shows up. And this giant... This is this is interesting for a couple different reasons. It's a woman, which is rare. We don't see a lot of Sasquatch. We don't see any Sasquatch, to be clear. But in the lore, we don't see many women Sasquatch. It's a Sasquatch woman. And she's only six feet tall. You're like, Jason, that's not... I know women that tall. That's not Bigfoot. You didn't let me finish. It's just some tall WNBA player walking through the woods, hiking. Hey, guys. She is covered in hair, which isn't particularly a trait known in the WNBA. This woman is covered head to toe in hair and, oddly enough, also has long hair going down past her waist as well, which I don't know if that's possible. Can a gorilla have long hair? Can gorilla have, like, Farrah Fawcett hair? Is that possible? Isn't the fur kind of all grow to the same size all over the body? Or could you have, like, a beautiful, like, set of, like, hair? Could you give, like, a gorilla Ariana Grande extensions little ponytail? But anyway, so this one comes out and sees this shot kid and starts totally flipping out. Now, we have him shooting this little kid, right? 
bleeding out. We have him not doing anything for half hour. Now we have a Bigfoot. That's <laughs> quote unquote Bigfoot. You're like, dang it, Jason. That's a bait switch. It's still a Bigfoot, even though it's only six feet tall. Come out of the woods. You have all this. All of these elements are kind of ridiculous. But I think this next statement really shows whether or not we should take this dude seriously. Okay. Your mileage may vary, but for me, I was like, okay, here's this quote from him. I'd seen this is on pond seeing this Sasquatch woman for the first time. I've seen a lot of wild things in my life when I was out in the forest, but nothing like this creature which really frightened me. When I was young, and not to brag, I had to strangle a bear with my bare hands. It was it or me. But I'm sure that if this hairy bean had laid one hand on me, not a single one of my bones would have remained in one place. So... We're sitting now, we're back, and we're sitting in front of this dusty storefront. This dude, Charlie's talking to us, and he's like, I don't mean to brag, guys, but one day I strangled a strangled a bear, but this thing scared me. Now, at that point, we all kind of look at each other, and we're like, first off, nobody ever says, if you say, I don't mean to brag, and then the next statement is, I killed a bear with my bare hands, you, you meant to brag. Secondly, that really puts everything, for me at least, puts everything else very suspiciously. He shouldn't have had that in there. That if I'm making up a story, if I'm making up a story where I'm like, yeah, dude, I was I got abducted by aliens, and you're like, really? It's like, yeah, dude, and I got like brought up on this ship. They tried strapping me down, I started fighting them, and then I was like beating them up, and then like I, then like my pants fell off and they saw that I had like a big wiener. And then they let me go. Like, you would be like, Jason, I believed this story up until the obvious brag. When you're telling me you can... Constri- Just say, I, I've seen a lot of crazy things, but nothing this spooky. The fact that he go, Maybe I'm spending too much time on this and it's going to get edited out. But the fact that he's saying he can strangle a bear with his bare hands... Has strangled a bear with his bare hands. That's a lie. I don't believe that's... I don't think that's... Po- I mean, maybe a bear embryo maybe a bear being born the mama bear is asleep hibernating the baby bear's coming out maybe he could do that but i don't think so so anyways now we're going back in time now we're highly suspicious of what this guy says the sasquatch woman is standing there she looks at charlie she looks at the boy the boy looks very weak now it's been 30 hours dude you could have at least given him a band-aid And the bear woman looks again at Charlie and goes, You have shot my friend. And that's an interesting quote for a couple reasons. And Red Pill Junkie pointed this out. The fact that she said, and there's different variations of it. She was saying this in the dialect of the Douglas Indians, according to Charlie. If she said, you have shot my friend, that would make her have a working knowledge of firearms. Which would put her much closer to human level intelligence. Other variations of the quote are, you have hurt my friend or you've killed my friend. But anyways, and it's, uh, just to be clear, the boy on the ground on the Sasquatch, that little boy is not a boy Sasquatch. That is a human boy. And then we have this Sasquatch showing up. So we'll get into that as well. And the guy starts to apologize, but it doesn't matter. He, he shot a kid. Who? What, what can you say at that point? She then starts to do this dance try not to be racist as i'm making a dance noise and she's holding out of nowhere she pulls this out of nowhere she's holding what charlie describes as either a six foot long snake which is possible right maybe not in america but you know she she is a sasquatch she might be well traveled 
He's standing just feet away from this creature. Apparently, she's chanting to Stovacor at this point. And as she's doing this, he can hear chanting in the forest as well. At this point, I'm thinking those are just echoes, dude. But anyways, she's swinging around this six-foot-long snake. Or, Charlie goes, it could have been a snake. Or it could have been six feet of intestines. So again, Charlie, listen, dude. You... (laughs) I'm not a hunter. I'm not a nature guy. You trying to convince me that you've seen a lot of wild things in the woods. I can tell the difference between a snake and a a guts. I can at least do that. If I am at a zoo and I'm like, oh, let's go to the snake exhibit. And that's the day they forgot to like, you know, bring the snakes. So they just started throwing lamb intestine in there. I'd be like, hey, wait, I'm that savvy. Nobody's. (laughs) Anyways, anyway. So again, it's making me question this. But whatever it is, you're like, Jason, that's your takeaway? You have a talking Bigfoot doing this dance, swinging this around? Well, I want to be specific. She starts splashing it. She starts hitting it against the ground. Uh, uh, Making these noises, saying this chant. And she's just doing this thing. Now then, and then with one hand, so she's swinging around the snake slash intestine. And then the other hand, she picks up the kid. Like, he says, like a wax doll. Which, what the, what the, what the hell's a wax doll? Anyway, maybe that's some old-timey thing. But anyway, what would be the point of having a doll that you're like, can I play with it outside? They're like, no, honey, it's made of wax. It's all melting, faces all, blah, blah. Anyways, picks him up like a wax doll. And she's holding the kid with one arm. I'm assuming the kid's deceased at this point. He's no longer saying anything. And then she turns to Charlie, and she's swinging this thing around in the air. That's either spewing out venom or blood. We don't know. It's either snake or intestines. And she looks at Charlie and says... And now Charlie pauses the story. Because this is his first person account in this... That is being reported in this article. Charlie pauses the story to say this. Now, every time I tell this story... Nobody wants to believe what happened next. I'm having a hard time believing what's happened before. Because this this denouement, however you say it, this ending of the story is actually the least spectacular part of it. The monster woman turns to Charlie and says, Siwash, you will never kill another bear in your life. And then he drops his rifle, which he had the whole time. He's, I guess I should say that earlier. He said he couldn't even pull the trigger. Like when he saw it, he was so terrified he couldn't pull the trigger. The whole time, though, he's holding this rifle. He drops the rifle. And he's standing up there, and at that point, he realizes he's paralyzed. The creature's just dancing in front of him, looking at him. He cannot move. And now we're sitting back on the porch, and he's sitting there, and he's like, and that, my children, is the story of how I became paralyzed, and that's why I am sitting in this chair in the 1950s. We're looking at each other, we're like, What? He's like, yes, I'm paralyzed because I was cast, a a Sasquatch woman witch cast a spell on me, paralyzed me. So, kind of start getting, dusting ourselves off, giving him some money. He's like, I don't need your charity, I have a 401k, jerk. I'm just enjoying the sun (laughs) with my wax doll. There's just puddles, there's puddles everywhere. The obvious question is this. If this story is true at all, which it most likely isn't, but if this story is true at all, he's paralyzed. Remember, the story ends with him being paralyzed on a mountain and the monster's in front of him. Now, 
I don't know if the monster walked away, the Bigfoot walked away, teleported away, swung its magical snake guts around and like jumped into a portal. But he didn't disappear or go into a portal. He was paralyzed on the mountaintop. But then apparently, then he just gets back to town and then gets reparalyzed. The, the ending of the story makes no sense. Now, it's interesting because this story is very, very controversial. And it's obviously controversial for a couple different reasons. I'm going to go over these quick because I don't want to run long. But one, Bigfoot people, not the actual Bigfoot people, but Bigfoot researchers, there is a divide. Most of them believe it's a biological group that actually lives in the woods and they leave feces and footprints and bone. It's whatever. That's a nonsense theory. But a lot of people believe in that one. A smaller group of people, and I think the most logical one, even though this is absolutely bizarre, Bigfoot's some sort of interdimensional, connected to UFOs, high strangeness, other dimensions, something like that. That makes more sense because it clears up why there's no evidence of them or why when we find evidence, it's inconclusive. They're basically in between a UFO and a ghost. They're more biological than a ghost, but they're not extraterrestrial like UFO. That's the more likely scenario if any of these stories are true. This story, though is foolish on the outset. You have a Bigfoot that's talking. You have it casting magical spells. You have it kidnapping a little boy. And it's funny because a lot of Bigfoot people, though, say that does fit with the Bigfoot lore of young children being kidnapped. And it goes into, it can also play into the whole missing 411. People go missing in the woods and stuff like that. This story, though, is so controversial that Red Pill Junkie got doxxed because of it. When a site was disputing this, they were printing his real name. Which was absolutely bizarre because it's obviously and he, so he got the story from a, a there's a book written in Italy called this is how obscure this story is there was a book written in Italy back in the back in 1979 called Sasquatch Enigma Anthropologico it was written in Italy then the Red Pill Junkie found a copy of it when he was a kid at a at a Mexican flea market. So his copy was a Spanish translation of an Italian book. And here he is. He got the book like in the 80s when he was a kid. Now we're in the, I think this article came out in 2015, somewhere around that. He's translating the book into English. This story is being going from Italian to Spanish to English. And there's been no translation of this story published in like in a book form um, in English. So very, very rare. And there was a, I, when I found this story... There was another article that was debunking it, and they were just said the author is real. I'm not a fan of anonymity to begin with. I, I think that it's much better to just use your real name and to be in front of it. But if you choose to use a name like Red Pill Junkie or you choose to use a pseudonym, I think that it only under extreme circumstances should you dox those people. And writing a story about trying writing a funny story saying, look at the story I found about Bigfoot is not a reason why you should print someone's full name. Again, I, I think people should not be anonymous online anyways, but super bizarre. Like, I, I was shocked. The controversy behind the story was more shocking than not. But people really don't like the story. It really hasn't been out there. I think it's a funny story. I think it's an interesting story. I don't necessarily think it's true, but I don't think it's true because of stuff like him standing around a bleeding kid for a half hour, him teleporting off the mountain when he's like, he's paralyzed on the mountain and then he appears in town the next day. There's a lot of details missing from it. 
Not because I don't believe that Bigfoots have the ability to catch. Because if Bigfoot's real, I go with the interdimensional thing. It's I would say, well, if they're coming from another dimension, maybe they do have snake guts. Maybe they do have the ability to cast spells and stuff like that. We do know that Bigfoots have been tied to kidnapping children. Was the kid a prisoner? Was the kid really the friend? The kid was definitely human. There's a lot of like interesting questions to it. Not docs-worthy, definitely. But let's end it like this. Let's end it like this. I think there's an interesting component to this. If you were walking through the woods and you saw Bigfoot and you came home, you probably wouldn't tell anyone for a long time, but let's say you come home and you tell your buddies, dude, I saw Bigfoot last night. People are going to be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And they might believe you. They might humor you. They might make fun of you behind your back, but you'd probably get over it. No, no, no. I really saw him. Yeah, yeah, whatever. But then let's say you were walking through the woods and you saw Bigfoot and you interacted with it in some ways, throwing rocks at you or you guys were playing Go. And he's like, don't shut me off. Don't shut me off. I'm afraid of the dark. You go back, you tell your buddies. They're like, well, that, that's, that story's ridiculous. And you're like, no, 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 but it really happened. And you would understand that it was ridiculous. You'd understand why people didn't believe you. But imagine if you went into the woods and you had a negative interaction with a Bigfoot to the point that it actually crippled you for life. And as the helicopter shows up to life light you out of there and they're like, what happened? You fall down a ravine where you like shut off a particularly mean robot. He's like, no, it's none of those things. It's none of those things. Bigfoot. Uh, Bigfoot punched my my spine. Oh, I can't move. Helicopter's flying away. That's one of those things where you would, I would actively be mad if people didn't believe me in that story. I would actively be upset if I suffered some sort of horrible physical tragedy and it was caused by Bigfoot and then people were like, Bigfoot, Bigfoot, yeah, right. You're like, dude, look at the scars. I can't, look at these giant footprints on my stomach what those are fake i think that would make me mad and it's funny because i never thought about this before i think that's like some people can say i think that's the difference between people who believe in aliens and people who've been abducted by aliens people who have said oh yeah i saw a ufo or i believe in like the, the galactic brotherhood or all that nonsense stuff like that or I believe reptilians are taking over the planet. They don't necessarily take it personal if you don't believe them. I mean, they might feel like they're more enlightened than you. But I don't think I've ever gotten in a fight with someone because I don't believe reptiles are taking over the planet. Secretly, I would just use my my secret reptilian strength to take them down. But if I was abducted by aliens, like if I was physically or like mentally harmed, but me directly, not Miley Cyrus, and it was some th- stupid theory I had, but me directly, if I was abducted by aliens and tormented, physically or mentally or sexually, and people didn't believe me, that would make me really mad. That would make me probably more prone to not tell these stories to anyone else. And this is kind of creepy now now that I'm thinking about this too. And that would actually make it worse because one of the ways in real life that you stop abuse is you have to let other people know so other people can intervene. But if you're being abducted by aliens... And now this is an alien ending, but if you're getting abducted by aliens and you're being abused and you're put back in your bed at night and you wake up and you don't tell anyone, they're just going to keep doing it. They're going to keep doing it until you get help. But who do you reach out for help if no one's going to believe you? Who are you going to reach out for help if you're afraid that 20 years after telling your story to someone... Some jackass podcaster is going to be making an episode about a poor, paralyzed man in British Columbia. I don't know. Maybe I turned around. Maybe Bigfoot did mess this dude up. But I guess I'll never know. Unless I end up having a close encounter of the furred kind. Wait, because furry? 
the Bigfoot fur. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Deadrabbitradio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. And I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>